0: Coming up next on the Cash Compound podcast, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, a special guest straight off TikTok. Here we go. Welcome back. It is J.D. of the Banking Bros. And I've got a guest almost in studio today. He's coming to us from, I actually have no idea because in TikTok land, they could be anywhere. Maybe he's a bot, ladies and gentlemen. But I'd like to introduce you all to Tax Free Mike. What's up, man? I appreciate you being here. Thanks for coming. Hey,
1: how's it going? Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, man, we uh, are pumped to have you here because uh, I've been following, right? I don't follow everybody out there, but uh, Tax Free Mike is a guy who has been uh, in my uh, you know, thread or feed or whatever they call it on TikTok from the Banking Bros channel for, you, for Paige, the last I guess. week. The for you. Right. F.Y.P. Yeah. I'm not sure, but uh, I like his style and uh, we're going we're going to chop it up and debate him on a couple of the claims that he makes to see if this whole infinite banking and permanent life insurance idea is uh, is going to hold up in the way that uh, he teaches and preaches and what he does personally. So, Mike, give us a little bit, man, on your background. Tell us uh, where you were out there in the world before you were using this crazy tickety talk thing. So tell me yeah. uh, about yourself.
1: Yeah, so um, out of college, uh, 2014 was when I uh, graduated um, from University of Michigan. I got a job in like a normal kind of corporate nine-to-five world um, in like a sales and marketing kind of position. Um, Wasn't super happy and fulfilled there. And a friend of mine, um, who's also um, someone who you probably know, on social media as well. Um, Sneller financial, Ron Sneller.
0: Um, for sure. He's,
1: he's another big, uh, infinite banking guy. Um, talks a lot about insurance. He's a licensed, um, uh, investment advisor as well. He's got his securities licensing. And, uh, so he, he was look, he, he was working at a fraternal, um, insurance carrier and, uh I had known him for a long time cuz he actually used to be my teacher when I was in like 7th or 8th grade.
0: Uh, oh really? So you know, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, so that's kind of how I knew him and so uh anyway, long story short, we were friends on Facebook. He posted something on Facebook that he was looking for um new advisors um at, at this fraternal uh carrier. And I I was thinking, "Ah, not really that satisfied where I'm at in this corporate world. This sounds like something that I might enjoy. Uh, What's the worst that could happen? Let's just have a conversation. So I messaged him and then he uh, said that he would bring me on and help me, you know, with licensing, uh, getting prepared and um, getting the uh, uh, licensing courses and all that stuff squared away. And then he kind of like took me under his wing and mentored me and, And uh, we left the fraternal world in 2020. Uh, Yeah, yeah, because it was during the pandemic. We left the fraternal world and um, went more the independent route where we can have a variety of different options for the client, where we can focus a little bit more on the infinite banking. Uh, Because when we were first kind of getting into the business, uh, it was more and you know, a lot of lot of term life insurance, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um some IRA rollovers into annuities and uh uh some some whole life insurance, but it was largely more for the death benefit. It wasn't really structured a whole lot around the cash accumulation, the infinite banking strategy itself. And as we started to learn a little bit more about how you can do that with a properly designed insurance contract, we realized that, Hey, this fraternal carrier, they just, they don't have uh they don't have an option for this. And we really want to be able to offer it to our clients. And we just, if we stay here, we just can't do that. Um, So we went independent so we could offer the infinite banking strategy. Um, And uh, been here ever since. So social media, really blew up um for for me um and, and for for Ron um in the last quarter of 2021 yeah i want to say, it was like it was like august or uh october in 2021 when when uh my one of my videos first went really really well um and then i actually started getting people messaging me cuz nor- i did it mostly as like an educational, you know, financial educational type thing, just to, you know, have a brand. Um, And people were messaging me, oh my gosh, I've heard about this. I don't know who to talk to. Can you help me? Are you licensed in blah, blah, blah state? Or who, who can you put me in touch with? Who can help me with this? And I just started thinking like, you know, I should probably just get licensed in all these other states. And then instead of saying, sorry, I don't know anyone who I can put you in touch with, I can say, actually, yeah, I am licensed in Tennessee, or I am licensed in California, I I can help you do it. Um, So I just got licensed everywhere. And now I pretty much have an exclusive online model. Um, People find me from social media, we set up video meetings. And if they want to do something, I can help them do it and set up the policy for them. And Manage the the um, you know maintenance
0: of the policy review from time to time and all that. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Interesting, man. What a journey. Yeah, because we do the same thing. Basically, have a virtual office. Uh, we're physically located on the East Coast, but uh, this virtual office and this idea of utilizing social media, yeah, has connected us right. to all 50 states. Uh, you know, Puerto Rico as well. My brother spoke there last year. So oh, nice, really, all over it, crazy. Um, so. Here's one question that we have to ask as we get into it is how do you define infinite banking? What is infinite banking, Mike?
1: That's a great question. I think um the thing that I really like uh uh I that I've heard from like uh, people like Chris Noggle and um uh, uh and Mr. Burr, uh Devin Burr. Um and, and this really resonates with me that infinite banking is more of a concept, not necessarily the actual product that you use to execute the, the the concept, and and to me, infinite banking is, uh, putting yourself in a position with your finances to have a little bit more control over your money, uh, where you can access your money without tax penalties or fees at any age, um, and and capture. Uh, uninterrupted compound interest, um, which you can use in a variety of different ways. You can just buy a car and use it as consumption. Um, You know, Hey, instead of paying cash for this car, like Dave Ramsey says, why don't we do the infinite banking concept and we'll pay ourselves back. We'll get the uninterrupted compound interest that we never would have had if we paid cash, like Dave Ramsey says. Um, So you're, you're better off. Or if you want to take it to the next level, like, People like Chris Noggle or Devin Burr, we can use that concept to increase the spread that we're going to make on an investment, like a rental property. Or maybe we take that car and instead of just driving it ourselves and using it as a, a consumption vehicle, we use it as an investment vehicle and rent it out on Turo and we make some money. Or we, um, the thing that I thought was super interesting, I saw Chris Noggle doing lately is. Uh, flipping equipment like he like a fork truck or something he bought with oh, his yeah. policy um, had a guy fix it up and flip it and sell it put the money back into his policy like um, I, I think the infinite banking concept is bef- before you even get to that level it's we're kind of thinking like hey how can we how can we do what the bank does with our money and uh, at the macro level we know. We have a pretty good idea what the banks are doing at the macro level. How can we take that in on the micro level and and do that for ourselves individually financially um and it just so happens to be that uh, a properly designed cash accumulating uh life insurance policy is in my opinion the best uh, actual product that can um that can help you execute on that infant banking concept
0: so Yeah, man. Why do you think that uh, your opinion, you mentioned Dave Ramsey, I was a big fan of his, got out of debt using his model when I just Mm had full loans quite a while ago and uh, had no idea about this concept uh, prior to uh, 2015 is when I first uh, got involved. 2016 got myself my first policy and I've got a whole handful plus of them now. But uh, what do you think and where does it come from that most people just don't understand how whole life, how permanent life, how indexed life could be used for cash? They just don't get it. Where do you think that mindset has come from? Why do they think you're crazy? I read some of your DMs, man. Sure. I see those comments. I'm sure you're getting stuff like I'm getting them. So what is it that people oh, yeah. that just don't seem to know?
1: Um, I think, yeah, I think that's really... uh, uh an interesting question and i think there's an entire um uh, financial matrix designed to keep people ignorant um not to get like conspiratorial or anything like that but the financial system that we have benefits enormously uh and and i don't say this lightly um but it benefits enormously for the average american to be a financial slave and hmm. It, there's there's not there's there's uh not the education about this because the minute people know that they can have more control over their money that they can have more financial independence they can't be controlled uh if you have control over your money someone can't control you and uh the banks wall street um your employer um they want to be able to have more power over you and uh i i think that that's a big reason why we don't know about this um that there's not really any monetary incentive for the average person to know about it, it and th- our our financial system is designed around people having their money where it is right now um so why what 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 what, what would it benefit them for you to know about something different um because then you're going to move your money you're you're not going to leave it where it is and and they're not going to get the ability to uh, uh, lend money based on your cash reserves or uh, invest your money into the S and P 500 and get asset under management fees and, you know, put it into a mutual fund. And again, not that any of those things are bad, but it's just that uh, the average person likely would benefit from having some of their money, that's not in that system that they do have control over, that they do have access to, that they do get good tax benefits on, that they do get uninterrupted compound interest. So I think the the entire system is designed to make money on your money being in other places. So like, why would they tell you about it?
0: I love it, man. So here's my question. As we try to help people understand that you can be involved in a monetary system, By partnering up with a mutual insurance company, as opposed to some of those things that the matrix has designed for you, where you already have your money, right? We're not starting with babies. People are grown. People have been to college. People are already working. People are utilizing loans, all these types of things. Why is it and how do you describe the difference between those systems and those institutions and mutual insurance? because some people are like why would i just give my money to those people if i give my money to the insurance company like i do now for my cars and my fire insurance and my home insurance and my property insurance now they have it, it what is what what's the difference between uh wall street let's say sure and an insurance company? if i give them my money then they have it and i still don't have it
1: yeah that's a, that's actually a really good question because Ultimately, that's what people are like when you kind of go down that rabbit hole and you don't really give people like a good solution and, you know, oh, hey, let's put on our tinfoil hats and everybody's out to get us and we can't have our money anywhere because someone's always going to exploit us. Um, I might as well just put my money under my mattress. Well, you know, well, that doesn't work either because now your money's not working for you. Your money's not growing. Um, So, I mean, you have to there there has to be some level of trust. Um and and it it's uh i can't remember who said it i think it might have been like uh saint augustine or maybe it was like socrates or plato but uh someone uh there's like a famous quote i can't remember who it was attributed to but something to the tune of like i i i'm only standing here because i'm standing on the shoulders of giants uh of people who did things in the past and i'm i'm relying on the things that they did so that i can achieve what i'm achieving now I mean, to some, to some degree, you do have to have a level of trust in somebody else or someone else who, who has the expertise that you need to be successful. Um, but I think before, uh, like after we kind of realize that, that it's like, yeah, I mean, if you don't have any level of trust at all, then, you know, you can just go live in the woods. But I mean, does, do you really want to do that? No. Um, so once we get past that, uh, we can really see the business model of a mutual life insurance company being quite a bit different than like a bank or Wall Street um, because the mutual life insurance company in the name, it's mutually owned. So who really owns the insurance company? Well, yeah, yeah, you're giving your money to the insurance company and there you have to have that aforementioned level of trust there. Um, but here's the thing. When you're putting your money in a mutual life insurance company, you're not just giving them your money and uh, just hoping that everything goes well. You're actually becoming a part owner in that mutual insurance company because by definition, a mutual insurance company, they're not a publicly traded institution where they're uh subs- subservient to shareholders on Wall Street or, you know, Warren Buffett, you know, there's not people making secret deals behind closed doors. When you put your money into a whole life insurance policy that that's a participating policy, you earn dividends, um, you're a part owner in that company. So the company has a direct incentive to be profitable, to have low cost, to have um, a, a, a good, uh, clean operating business, because as a part owner you're going to demand certain things, right? You're going to want an attractive dividend. You're going to want uh, a competitive internal cost of insurance. Um, so the insurance company is incentivized by the nature of their business model to deliver value back to you. Cause you're kind of like a shareholder in, in a way. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think the business model of the insurance company is distinctly different from a lot of the other financial institutions. Um, and, being insurance they're also regulated differently um they're much and this is something i'm getting i'm sure you are too uh getting a lot of questions about um the safety of of their savings or their checking account or their money market um after these big banks failing in the earlier part of this year you know we're not really hearing a whole lot more about that but the banking system is still pretty vulnerable and uh, the insurance companies are 100% reserve, which means every premium dollar you have in your policy is backed up by $1 of, of, of uh reserved asset. The banks don't have that. They have fractional reserve, which means they only have 10 cents on the dollar if they even have that. Um, right. So, you know, not only are they sharing the profits that the insurance company makes back with you and you're a part owner in the insurance company, but they also are much better capitalized and much safer to weather some of these economic firestorms that may be headed our way. Um, so yeah, I think the, the entire, um, the entire business model of the insurance company is very different, um, which gives the average person a lot more confidence knowing that not only is their money going to be safe, but, the insurance company is directly incentivized to offer me as much as they possibly can, because I'm now in a, in a partnership with the company.
0: I love how you said it. We, that's really what it is. Uh, It's why we choose mutual insurance companies. We broker between about five or six different ones. And I tell people all the time that out of my eight personally owned policies that I have with permanent insurance, it's three different mutual companies. And I am eager to potentially start another one or two policies with some of our other partners out there to really help our clients and our customers understand the inner workings and um, how they treat customer service. And can you really get sure. loans out there? It's very really interesting. So now at these mutual companies, Tax-Free Mike, let's start to get it. Let's start to s- stop agreeing on everything. These people... Sure. Sell things. They sell multiple things out there, right? I tell people all the time that we at the Banking Bros Cash Compound, we're going to use mutual insurance companies. We're going to set up the policy for your cash use. And you got to get the right type of contract or policy from them. So we're not going to buy car insurance from these folks. We're not going to buy candy out of the lobby. We are going to buy whole life insurance, the kind that I always say is guaranteed to grow and cash flow, all three of those things. And if you see anything about what we do, especially when we try to break it down for those people who are passing us by on the FYP page on TikTok and stuff, real quick, the three cup setup, that really helps people. I go live a lot there. So guaranteed cup number one, premiums. We often say premium deposit. Guaranteed to grow, that's cup three. Cup three is the death benefit. So the numbers you put in are guaranteed to be bigger on the other side. And then cash flow, and it's just a rhyme, little jingle here, guaranteed to grow in cash flow, is cup number two in the middle. The green one is our cash value, which is our net equity, our present value for our future benefit, which is the third cup, the death benefit. So that's cup one, two, and three. But that is not the only product out there for the process you mentioned. Everybody else out there, it seems, keeps saying that there's a better, superior, different product to do this process from don't worry it's going to work and it's going to work better and that is that pesky little in my opinion indexed universal life insurance policy mike tell us what you believe tell us what is true tell us your opinion and help us understand sure. the difference man
1: yeah i think um there is a big uh especially in social media there's a there's a there's a little war going on in yeah. A little, little, little right. turf war, you know. It's like the get all the,
0: these the, keyboard warriors going after, yeah. right? Throwing, yeah, like the Bloods and the crips,
1: man. They're they're going after yeah. each other. You know, they're they're fighting over territory right. about this insurance stuff. Um, so I mean, here's here's what I think about the IUL. Um, well, I guess I we can. Well, you, you asked me first, like what what's the difference? I guess I'll kind of briefly explain the difference and then um tell you what I think about it. Um, So, yeah, the the IUL uh, index, universal life and dividend paying um, whole life insurance, they are different. Um, So the whole life insurance policy has a lot more of the contractual um, obligations on the insurance carrier uh because they, they pay out dividends, um they have guarantees in the cash value, guarantees uh in the premiums, guarantees in the costs that are all uh locked in. Uh, they 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 can't ten years later say ooh you know we're not doing as well as we thought so um you know the, the cost of insurance is gonna gonna be a little bit it's gonna go up um they can't do that uh now they can lower dividends um uh, and technically they cannot pay any dividends at all but but I, that's exceedingly rare cuz as i mentioned earlier about you kind of being like in a partnership with the insurance company the minute they stop paying dividends there's a pretty good chance that you're going to be upset and a lot of people are going to move their money to their competitor who does pay dividends so they do have an incentive to pay dividends so there's a lot of obligations on the shoulders of the insurance company um, a little bit more on them than there is on the client. The obligation to the client with the whole life insurance policy is that they pay their premium. Uh, and that's about uh, it.
0: Unilateral contract. Yeah. Unilateral contract. stay alive and pay some premium. That's Correct. everything else is hundred pages. They have to do.
1: Correct. Yeah. Um, now with the index universal life, um, there's, it's a little bit more of a split. Um, there's, there's a little bit more um, obligations that the insurance company tried to shed um, and this is kind of in the period of, uh, slowly, gradually declining interest rates. Um, cause one of the big ways the insurance companies make profits are, um, their, their fixed income investments. So they are very risk averse and that's, that's why the insurance companies are able to pay, um, uh, competitive returns and, and decent dividends. During really any type of economy, whether we're in a boom or a bust or a 2008 style recession, if you have a whole life insurance policy, you're getting your dividend rate really no matter what's going on in, in the economy, which is fantastic. Um, but a lot of that is based on um, interest rates, where you know, hey, it doesn't matter that 2008 is happening if you have a a, a basket of bonds or treasuries that are paying you know five percent okay you know, the S&P 500 went down 50% but I still have my treasuries or my bonds that are paying me 5% so what do I care um right. so uh a, a, bit, a, a big part of the profitability from the insurance company is the, the the spread that they're making um on on some of that um on some of those fixed fixed income investments uh, well, interest rates have been zero for a really long time, and, and even before interest rates were zero, in the '90s, going into the early 2000s, they were like one percent. Um, so, I mean, you had about forty odd years of interest rates being super low, um, and the insurance right. companies are kind of like looking down the tunnel of time, and they're like, "Ooh, this isn't this. This is not what it used to be. Like we used to be able to make, you know." on our bonds and, you know, interest rates, they're not really, they're kind of staying low. They're not going back up. Like might need to change things a little bit if we want to make more of a profit. Um, So enter the IUL. Uh, The insurance company um, doesn't have to pay a fixed dividend rate uh, in in a, in a low interest rate environment. Um, They can, they can get a return uh, that's still fairly competitive on the cash value in the policy, uh but it's it's not um it, it's not it's not as fixed. The, the, there's not quite as many guarantees. And if for example they're competing with someone like Mass Mutual who pays a six percent dividend, while well, Mass Mutual, if they're paying a six percent dividend, they you know they're they're paying that six percent dividend no matter what. Uh, but if we're looking at uh the IUL company they they say hey you know the 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 growth in your cash value um there is no fixed dividend there is no 6% dividend it's you know if it, it depends on what's going on in the S&P and hey guess what sometimes it's up sometimes it's down there's not really a guarantee there at all um so it kind of gets the insurance company to be uh, to, to make uh, a little bit more of a profit because they don't have to uh, guarantee as much, they don't have to promise as much. Uh, but at the same time, there's a little bit less certainty there for the client. Now that makes it sound kind of scary and kind of ugly. Like, oh wow, why, why would I ever want to do that? Um, it sounds like this is really bad. And I I think some of the the negative of the IUL is 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 exaggerated, um, because yeah, there's not as much guaranteed, which is true. Um, Your return isn't as guaranteed, um, and and you can't really predict what you're going to get from year to year like you can with a whole life insurance policy, which makes the whole life policy, I think, a little bit more attractive for the infinite banking concept because you want to have the confidence of knowing that, hey, if I borrow against my policy this year, am I going to get growth on my cash value or is it going to be a year where I get zero on my cash value? And what happens if I deploy my cash value to purchase a rental property or to buy a car and I I'm paying the loan interest and I'm paying the loan back to myself. And I happen to get a, a, a no return on my internal cash value. Like that, that kind of defeats the whole infinite banking purpose. Um, so I think that IUL is a little bit more appropriate for um like a, like a tax-free income vehicle. Like we put money into the policy for a few years and then maybe we use the cash for um, income later on in retirement or, or like, like pre-retirement. Um, cause there is a little bit less uh, predictable there from year to year. We, we, if we zoom out far enough over like a 10, 15, 20 year period, cause the, the performance of the IUL tracks the S and P essentially the insurance company buys uh one-year call options and depending on how those call options turn out, they're sharing the, the profits they make with those options um, into your cash value. So if the S&P goes up 10%, hey, you might get somewhere between 7 to 10% on your policy's cash value. Um, so if you're looking at a whole life policy that pays, say, a 5% dividend, and you're like, oh, hey, well, this sounds like the greatest thing since sliced bread. If I... Uh, have this dividend that gets me five percent, but then the s and p goes up ten well hey, i just I made way more by just doing an i u l but then the inverse can happen where hey uh the s and p went down thirty percent um so the insurance company um lets those one year call options expire worthless so you don't actually take an investment loss there, but you're also not going to make anything so now that five percent dividend sounds pretty attractive when when you get a zero percent growth on your cash value. So from year to year, it's kind of hard to predict what the IUL is going to do because it's going to depend on what's going on in the S and P. But when you zoom out far enough, you can say, "Oh, hey, look! If we look back 20 years or 30 years, the S and P has an average of seven percent or eight percent or whatever." Um, So you can you can have a pretty good idea what the IUL is going to do when you look um, far enough uh, down like a long enough time horizon. Um, So I think it's a little bit more appropriate for um supplementing our income in retirement or um if if we're in a bull market um usually a bull market will last anywhere from like six to ten years um that could be a a a decent time to borrow against the policy because you're gonna probably get some positive arbitrage there uh but we would want to pay that loan off as soon as we can like if if we borrow against it try to pay it off and like four to five years. Cause again, a bull market usually lasts six to 10 years. And then we're going into that bear market where you're going to get no growth on the cash value. Um, so you have, if you're going to use the IUL for infinite banking, I think you have to be way more strategic about it and, and probably right. even more disciplined uh, because you're, you're going to want to pay that loan off as like as soon as you possibly can. Cause there's, you're, you're not going to be able to tell, how the cash is going to perform quite as much as you can with a whole life policy. So.
0: Yeah, so a couple questions about that. Uh, when you say, knowing that I'm not as versed in IUL performance um, or growth, um, in a whole life contract, you're getting your uh, gains. We'll call it a gain here, but it's a guaranteed gain sure. as well as a potential dividend, right? So the dividends are potential, but they'll illustrate both of these for you. You know what's, Correct. what's guaranteed to you. So uh, the way you said it, though, has me wondering a question here. I want to make sure I get a clarification even for me is we're going to get that growth in whole life based on what we have put in our premiums, not based on our cash value. The way you said IUL is are we getting returns based on cash value we've left in the game?
1: Um, Yeah. So the the insurance company, um, they they give you the return on your like the the interest rate that they, they call it interest crediting instead of like a dividend, a similar concept though. Um, So they, they, they pay that out on your entire cash value balance. Um, So you're, so
0: So that, so that's, that's obviously uh, if you're thinking the way I'm thinking, and I think you and I are here, but the average person listening may not understand what we said here Mm -hmm. is we're going to get guaranteed growth once again, on what we've put in, over the course of our whole life, that's why we always say words like that. And in insurance, right. those words mean something, right? In other yep. in other market products, you may not mean anything. But everything we put into that premium at that point is going to be growing and getting new guarantees guarantees from. Okay. But in IUL, you're saying that if we pull some of those dollars, we're going to borrow against our policy's value, cash value. Mm-hmm. We'll try to get as technical as we can here to make sure we don't mislead people. Or they understand. Sure. Then and we have then we're going to and we have some out. Let's say we deploy some of those dollars for investments, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to go get great investment returns. We're not even here talking about that. But if we pull it out of the policy and that policy in that particular year, at the end of that time when they look to see what's there, we're not going to get growth on stuff that's out. Is that what you're saying? Oh,
1: okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So yes, you you will. So say you have 100k in cash value and you borrow 50 to you use as a down payment for a property they're going to credit you interest on all the 100k in cash value so um, even it. even if Let's you have a sure. loan against it for 50,000 to to go invest somewhere else and
0: so, because now obviously we're nuancing the words here and part of it is to make sure I'm clear on what you're saying is because you don't get it off of the cash value you get it off of the premiums you put in you get growth you get crediting off of what you've put in not on what you've borrowed
1: yeah, you 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 do get crediting on um on all of it. So you get crediting on the the unloaned cash value and the loaned cash value. They're, they they try to get interest so... on the, the entire amount.
0: Is, is that what you are asking? Okay, so I just want to try to understand. Sure. Oh, well, I just want to make sure too. I'm not sure. So what yeah. I'm saying is is what I'm saying the difference in the words is we're getting our crediting in an IUL. If you're going to do that you get crediting, it's not based on your premiums. You're saying it is based on cash values.
1: Yeah. It's based on your, your uh, total cash value. Yeah. The, the total cash value okay. you have in the policy, because how the IUL works is the, okay. the, the co- there, there's a cost of insurance deduction. Um, right. And okay. it's, it's, yep. it comes out of the cash value. So it's not necessarily, um, it's it, it's just the, the way they calculate the cost is different than a whole life policy so um the the cost of insurance gets deducted from the cash value every single year um and generally the uh insurance carrier will um they'll, they'll credit the interest that yep. say the s p went up seven percent and they give you uh seven percent. Um, so they're going to credit 7% on your total cash value that you have in the policy um, and then you get 7% the and then they're, like right. they're going to deduct the cost of insurance after that. Got it. Right. So, right. And of course, do one the thing opposite, that I,
0: though. Yeah, of course, I've got to bring up to people who want to talk to us and be reminded that the cost yeah. of that insurance and the charges on that insurance rise every year. In an IUL. Now, it's yes. probably not going to be felt, correct. right? Uh, I mean, you and I know that. It's not going to yep. be felt for 10, 20 years, depending on your age. However, there is a cost in this rising annual new- renewable term. And that, correct. for most people, will become cost prohibitive if the cash value is not covering it, but it will become cost prohibitive at a certain age for the regular person who's doing this.
1: It, it can if it's not funded correctly. Um, right so if right. if they if we design and and this also kind of depends on how the policy structured too because um, 'cause I've seen some horror stories where someone got an i u l and they had a really large death benefit it wasn't designed with minimum death benefit and they were paying right. like the target the target premium, which is like the That's, recommended right. the recommended premium uh but not necessarily the maximum premium. So, you know, they got a big death benefit and they're only paying like the recommended premium, not the maximum premium. Um, and so 10, 15, 20 years down the line, you have more death benefit than is necessary um, and also um, underfunding. And you can't do that for very long with an IUL before it comes to be a huge problem. Um, so yeah. it, in in my opinion, if someone's going to do an IUL and they want to use the cash value, um they're going to want to design it with the minimum death benefit possible. Say they want to put away a thousand dollars a month Buy the smallest amount of death benefit you possibly can for a 40 year old male doing a thousand dollars a month um, and, and design the policy so that that thousand dollars a month is the max funded premium. So that you're basically squirreling away as much cash as you possibly can into that policy. And it's keeping the costs controlled, keeping the costs low as we possibly can and so over time if the policy is designed the right way and it's funded the right way um the cost of insurance averages to be about one percent sometimes even less depending on the carrier um so if the cash value averages like a five to seven percent return and you have a one percent cost of insurance deduction you're you're staying ahead of the game um even when you're you know, 60, 70 odd years old when those costs of insurance are higher because your cash value is still growing as well. So
0: we hope, we hope. Percentage
1: wise. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah.
0: yeah no, go, no, go no I was just saying we hope.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, and that's why um, I think you want to be ex- extremely discriminating when you're picking an IUL because since the cost of insurance can go up um, beyond what we expect we want to be uh, even
0: paid. Right? So what's interesting that I tell people is just making sure. And I know in a couple of seconds, we want to see something that you've got. So go ahead and sure. I may take you a second to pull them up. Yeah. But I try to help people understand and ask them questions. If you wanted to use this IUL product in retirement, which is a word we don't use very much when we've got cash value always available. Doesn't matter right. if you're retired or not. There's always going to be more. And we know what it is. Charges are already taken out. We can see right. it. We know what's going to be the guaranteed minimum here. But if you're going to utilize an IUL for the idea of retirement, which most IUL salespeople and coaches are going to talk about, they're going to say that word a lot, retirement. sure. In retirement, your charges are going up. You better hope that the performance worked throughout your working years or working career or those ages, because now is when you want to utilize it. And if you want to utilize it in that retirement time, in that now, 65, whatever, whatever that age may be for you, that's when you're most vulnerable. You better hope you have enough because you're most vulnerable because at this point you're going to have to work again and you might even lose that death benefit. If you just didn't understand this thing could lapse on you. If it starts cannibalizing its own cash, what you thought you were going to use. So I'm not here to be mad at the message it's the messenger's message sometimes that has thrown people off. If you're going to sure. use it in retirement, you better hope that the money was there. Lightning may have had to strike you particularly or this policy two times at that point. And if you run out of money and lose that contract, there you ain't got no more time. So, right. Well, the problem yeah. with I, the way IUL is marketed by many people out there is the idea that it can be used for cash and it's going to be better than a whole life. But we don't know that. You just don't know.
1: Yeah, there. I mean, there's a little bit of uncertainty there. I mean, we, we can we can say um, that we expect the IUL to perform comparable, comparable or maybe even a little bit better. Uh, but you know, it, it, it there is going to be some, uh, uh, cause again, I mean, we can, we can look at the S cause it, cause it tracks the S and P 500. So we can look at the S and P going all the way back to like 1920 and we can say, well, Hey, you know, we have a, over a hundred years worth of data. We have a pretty good idea on how things are going to look, but I mean, there's a thing in investment circles, um, that is pretty much a disclosure on every mutual fund, every index fund, every managed fund that uh, past performance isn't a guarantee or a predictor necessarily of future performance, which, I mean, it is true. Um, and that's where, that's where some of the uncertainty comes in with the IUL is, I mean, to your point, I mean, we, we have a, we have a lot of data that we can go off of and we can look at and say, well, Hey, I mean, we can, we can make some pretty good educated guesses, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we do, um, we're not exactly sure that it's going to perform exact. Well, I mean, I guess you could say that about anything really, but um
0: we're of course. And now illustrations and that's where we get in trouble. Illustrations and mm-hmm. whole life will not be accurate either. The illustration right. will not be accurate, but we right. know it's guaranteed cash in there. Right. And yeah. That and that, gonna- so
1: there's, there gonna is gonna some difference perfect, there but- for sure. Yeah, there's-
0: yeah. Yeah. And the other so- thing is, of course, we've got to talk about that sequence of returns while your dollars are still inside this policy in your latter years, let's say retirement, Mm. you're drawing, let's assume you're drawing them for supplemental retirement income. You're drawing them for ideas that you want to go and get in investments with. Well, now you're, once again, those charges are going up. They are going up during that time and you're drawing money out at the same time. So Obviously, that's theory because I don't know if you're going to use it at all, right? We don't know if the people are going to utilize the money at all, but the right. point was you were going to use the money. So if you start using the money, you got to understand if there ain't enough in there, charges are going high, you live long enough, you're, you are just understand. So it's going to be, but anyway, let's jump into, a, I want to see, we've just got a couple more minutes here. Yeah. Um, you want to see, you know, how you might structure a policy or give sure. us the, the high fun facts of how you might put something together um, for people. Um, and I yeah. know you utilize Whole life as well. So I'm not, uh, I the do. point is we, we, you know, both of us are utilizing whole life. You've got personal, uh, personal, um, personal contracts and all that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I wanted to talk about some of the differences in thought, opinion, or product as well. So sure. why don't you pull up a little and, and give us five fun facts on uh, what you see, what you do, um, how you might advise somebody and what's going on inside Iuo.
1: Yeah. So you want, you want me to pull up my screen here?
0: Yeah, or, you can, we'd yeah. see it. Uh, we're podcasting, but we're also VODcasting for some of our friends uh, who look at us on YouTube as well and other places. So yeah, uh, yeah tell us a little bit. Can see that
1: at all? Uh, yeah, give us a, yeah, we can yeah. see that. So give, okay. uh, give us yeah, some so,
0: contacts in here.
1: Yeah, so this is uh, to your point about uh, using it for income and retirement and trying to be aware of... Uh, Predictability on the performance and the uh, insurance charges. That's why we want to pick. Uh, we want to be pretty picky about the company. Um, I, in in my opinion, like kind of how we were talking earlier about the whole um yep. financial matrix, not really wanting people to know about whole life insurance and the infinite banking concept because they they want your money where it is. That's where the rest of these institutions are making their money. So, you know, what incentive do they have for you to know about these types of things? Um, and in my opinion, if, if we're going to do an IUL um, I think it makes sense to try to keep that mindset as much as we possibly can. So I try to avoid the publicly traded companies when we're doing IUL. I prefer to use the po the um, companies that are privately owned where they still have some of that insulation, um from like, again, the, you know, shareholders on wall street and, 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 all that good stuff. So I think that's one thing we want to keep in mind. Um, private ownership is nice um, that this company that I'm using for my IUL they're they're an ESOP company, which I think is uh, pretty attractive. I mean, for, for the IUL, because a lot of the IUL companies are publicly traded. They were, right. uh, they were uh, mutual insurance companies that, that, that uh, demutualized and became publicly traded companies. Um, so, I I think um, if we're going to do an IUL, I mean there's tons of big ones out there, um, uh, a huge um, IUL. You'll see a lot of the guys on TikTok too talking about IULs, and most of them are the the bigger publicly traded companies. Which you know there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but I, I think that is a risk um, yeah. multiplier Agreed. a little bit when it comes to the cost of insurance. Um, so we we want, in my opinion, if we're going to use it as a cash accumulating asset, income and in retirement or you know, supplemental cash flow, um it, when we're in our sixties or seventies or what have you. Um I, I think we're just gonna mitigate that risk pretty significantly if we're with a company that um isn't again putting that shareholder before you. Um so that's right. one thing I wanna uh that, that can really, really help. And then again, um uh, minimum death benefit. Uh, max funding it so we're funding it properly Um, even if the policy and we want to stress test it that's another big thing Um, because some IUL carriers have um, higher internal um, insurance expenses and we want to make sure we want to make sure that we're working with a carrier that's at least at the in the middle of the pack or at the low end of the deal there and and run an illustration with the IUL um, uh, a, a getting a, a little bit of a lower return than um has historically performed. Um, so when when I did my IUL, um, generally over the last twenty years, most of the IULs are somewhere in like the six to eight percent range. Um, uh, like 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 an average return somewhere in the six to eight percent. Um. So I think it's a good idea when you're doing an IUL illustration to run an illustration somewhere around like to stress test it, maybe run it at like four, four and a half, five percent. And if the policy still performs, you know, pretty satisfactorily, then you probably have a good IUL. But and if you run it at, you know, five percent or four and a half percent um, and it implodes and lapses on you in the illustration, eh, that could be could be a little bit of a problem there because if it does historically six to eight uh, percent, but you run it at four and a half or five, and it works out that the policy ends up you know lapsing at like you know seventy five or whatever, um, you know that's kind of a kind of a red flag because <laughs> if it doesn't perform if it doesn't perform as as you're expecting, even if it has historically performed in the six to eight percent range again there's just a little bit more uncertainty because it does track the S&P so you know there there's the chance it could do better there's a chance it could do a little bit worse we're we're not yeah. quite sure we can make some educated guesses but i mean the, these these are some things that we want to do when we're getting an IUL you know, we want to stress test it we want to run um uh some conservative illustrations um and also have an idea of what the historical performance of the IUL is with that carrier <laughs> Um huh. to, to give the client a little bit more predictability in 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 and what they're gonna have or, or what the potential of their cash value to be in fifteen, twenty, twenty five, right. thirty odd years. So I think Got all of those it. things so help. Few, yeah, yeah
0: so go, go ahead. A few yeah, questions. I mean,
1: feel feel free to sign oh. I'm, I'm kinda I'm kinda going off on a on a no, tangent.
0: We're good, man. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's take a look here and let me ask a few questions about what we see here. So number one in a lot of people's um, IUL contracts is there is no cash surrender value in the first years of the policy. There's a lot of surrender charges. So are you saying here that what you've got, first off, you built in a forty seven hundred dollar cash value that is available in the opening year of this policy when you've deposited $10,000 in the premium is that what we're looking at here across you know year 1 for everybody who's not figuring out where i am so we've got 10,000 deposited in premiums of course yeah. i use the word deposits so but $4,700 available
1: um yeah so this this is the um this is kind of where it's a little different with the IUL. So on, on the guaranteed column, you see where it's it actually is. Is my yes. highlighter thing working?
0: Yes, your highlighter is working. Perfect. Okay. okay, good. So go ahead.
1: Um, so where it, where it says maximum charges, um, that, that's under the assumption that um, the uh, – because there's a range of cost of insurance charges that the IUL carrier can can charge and, and yep. so on yep. the guaranteed column they're assuming that they raise the costs up to the guaranteed maximum which is basically like triple what the carrier um charges currently um
0: okay.
1: so the 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 column the the columns that are most realistic if we're with a good carrier cuz there are some carriers that have have gone um uh deviated from their projected um cost of insurance charges and again, that's another thing where it comes uh to be picky with the carrier. We want to pick a carrier that that hasn't done that. Um, that has sure, stuck yeah. to their cost of insurance charges. And that that is information that is available. You can um you can get yeah. that from the carrier. Um so my carrier um that that's that's done um IUL, um, they've never deviated from their um cost of insurance projection. So even somebody who got an IUL twenty years ago they're they're still on the same um, cost of insurance table that was shown them 20 years ago. So that gives me okay. some comfort. Yeah. Um, so the, the, yes. the, the Agreed. sections Agreed. we kind of want to look at are going to be um, like closer to these ones because um, these have the current charges. Now, the only thing that they're showing differently is, is the actual performance that the IUL right. is making. So in real life, I mean... It it could be it could be a little bit better than
0: sure, uh, but we just don't know, and or, so most people just don't understand that. So we don't know right. how the index and how our relationship to that index Correct. is going to perform. But this one is uh, illustrating three point five and a right. six two different right, and yeah, it could be
1: it. it could even be somewhere in between. And, and again, that's that's kind of why we want to stress test it a little bit, run it at four, four and a half, five, because um, h- historically. Uh, most IULs are somewhere in the 6 to 8% range. If you look at the last like 20, 25 odd years, give or take.
0: No, and of um, course that is also average. So we've got to right. understand that that Correct. S&P normally is going Correct. to be zero, three out of 10 years, two out of 10 years. Right.
1: Yes, you can going get some zeros. Zero.
0: For sure. Yes. For sure. In you can that get some year. Zeros. Yeah, right. yeah. And so we all know that. That's the market. But what I'm trying right. to make sure that we point out on this conversation is right. in a zero year which is going to happen it just happens right. and that doesn't mean that you went negative 30 right because right. the S&P may have had you went zero and right if you do that these numbers are this, this, these numbers are made up at that point right most people don't understand that is all I'm saying
1: yeah yeah I mean there's going to be some zeros and I tell people that too when when we do private yeah. calls I do tell people, hey, you know, this is an illustration We're we're making some educated guesses because we, uh, you know, we can look at 20 years worth of data on the S&P, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what the next 20 years are going to look like. Yeah, um, of course. And, good- yeah, and, the,
0: and it doesn't right. work at 3 point, 3.5, it doesn't matter, but it doesn't go, right. the S&P is at 3.5 each year. That One right. year it's 10, right. the next year it's negative 10. So you got to right. understand that.
1: Right, yeah. right, yeah. So we're we're gonna there's gonna be some variability here. I mean, we're we're looking at an illustration, uh, a projection of some values. Right. But yeah, I mean, there can yep. be a year. There can be a year we get one or two percent because the market's kind of flat. There can be a year we get zero because the market doesn't do anything. Um, there can be a year we get ten percent because it's really it's a really good year. Um, most of the years. Yep are probably going to be somewhere in the middle of the road range, like uh, the, the IUL um, tracking the S&P. I mean, like you said, you know, two, three out of 10 are going to be zeros or really low yield years, but that still leaves seven to eight out of 10 years where we're making some decent yeah. gains on the cash value. Um, so, you know, we we want to make sure that the client understands that, that it's not quite like a whole life policy where, um, if they're paying a dividend every single year, your cash value is for sure going to be worth more than what it was last year. The IUL is going to be different. There's there 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 can and will be years where you get no growth, um, but there are um, ways to mitigate that where um, we can kind of hedge ourselves a little bit. Uh, the, there's there's a variety of different indexes we can choose to. Um to track and the insurance company also has a fixed account um and and that that's that's normally what this middle column um it uh, uh, normally the middle column assumes uh more yeah. of like the the conservative yeah. like fixed account return, so the insurance company does have a fixed account where it's like oh hey we'll we'll pay you a- th- a flat um three percent or three and a half or whatever, and so we can say okay well if we want to hedge ourselves a little bit, maybe we have 70% of our cash value allocated towards the S&P index account and 30% allocated towards the insurance company's fixed account. So if we get a zero year on that S&P index account, we at least get something that we earn in our cash value in that Fixed account, yeah, and and maybe um it just pays for the insurance that year because if the cost of insurance deduction is about one percent, um, and you have about like thirty odd percent of your cash value that makes around like three or three and a half or whatever, um, yeah, it it can, it can at least pay for the insurance deduction that that comes out. Gotcha.
0: Um,
1: so okay. there's there's some, hey, Mike, there's some things. I mean, would,
0: yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead, go okay. ahead. Yeah. You have to monitor it, right? A lot of yeah, people oh, just sure. don't know. Yeah, understand.
1: absolutely. You have yep. to monitor yeah, that
0: if you're going to play that correct. game. So yeah, do you The, monitor- uh, the
1: IUL uh, does need to be monitored more than the whole life policy, for sure. Like, it's it's a little bit more complex. There's more moving parts. Um, so, yeah, I, I I agree with that 100%. Um, if someone has an IUL, um, we're going to want to – and I just have done this recently where – um, you know, with some policy reviews that I had with some clients, we, you know, made made some changes to their index allocations and, um, you know, that's just something you have to do. So sometimes you gotta yeah. move, move things around a little bit, just, just like, um, anything else, you know, we're, we're, this isn't like a set it and forget it, you know, we, we do it right. and then you know, look at it for 10 years. Yeah. Like that's, that's where a lot of these, uh, universal life chassis type policies run into trouble. Um, if, if we're, if we're not reviewing them, uh and doing the, the routine maintenance type stuff, you know, we're we're going to be able to catch things before they become a problem if, if we're reviewing the contract and monitoring performance, so.
0: Love it. Uh, can you um, fast forward I'm assuming you've got yeah. maybe all the stuff here. Let's go yes. down in time. And I just want to yep. see and get your take on, um, you mentioned uh, uh, about the potential of lapse, of course. That's what I wonder about. A lot of people give me policies to look at and they and uh, I just want them to understand, look, when you get to this year of the policy, this thing says, based on guaranteed, based on non-guaranteed, whatever, we're looking at the potential of a lapse. Do you understand that? If you wanted to use it in retirement, do you understand, you know, in the 40th year of this policy, it looks like you'll be 70, 71 years old, but a little bit earlier than that. Do you understand that that's when you were going to use this money? And at that point, you've got the potential or based on the projections on this column or these things, you may lapse. Uh, well, it will lapse according to this. So uh, just making right. sure they understand. I just wanted to see how you help people understand that, that, potential possibility or the guarantee of what the paper says.
1: Right. So this is a, like on the guaranteed side. Uh, and again, this is why we want to be pretty picky about which carrier we use for the IUL. Um, cuz again they're assuming the maximum insurance expense charge and they're also assuming that the iul um cash value only earns 2% the like like a flat 2% the entire time yep. the client has the 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 which is just never going to happen um we we can say that about a whole life policy too like say we're looking at a like a, a whole life policy with uh Penn Mutual or one America or uh you know Lafayette you know a, a carrier that's that's got um, uh, a really good track record um, pays a good dividend. I mean I, we can't say that it's literally never going to happen. I mean we, we we've seen um, like Ohio National where they demutualize yeah. and stop paying dividends yeah. but at the same time um, Ohio National uh, they weren't for a long time they weren't really like one of the top you know a rated carriers for whole life insurance like they they had had some issues for a, for a while. Um, but but even the company like we can say Northwestern Mutual, for example, they they were a very, very good dividend paying insurance company um, in like, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. They had one of the best dividends. Um, their, their dividends a little bit more conservative now, but they're still uh, yep. a, a big a big player in the industry. So we can say with some pretty good confidence that I mean, hey, look, you know, we 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 want to understand if. We don't get any dividends ever again. This is what happens. But again, highly unlikely. There's a very low right. chance of that happening. Um, and and we can say something similar with the IUL that this this is assuming we're only getting 2%, which is just not going to happen because if we're tracking the S&P, we're going to make a hell of a lot more than 2%. Now, there can be some years that we get 2% for sure. Um, but over yeah. like a 20, 30, 40 year period, is it going to average 2%? Definitely not. Um, now, maximum charges that is something that could be a problem for sure um so again, that's why we want to be picky about the carrier we use. look at their historical insurance costs have they have they deviated from their current charge schedule um have they Have they charged maximum charges before um, if they have you know that might be a carrier we don't want to use. Um, so, yeah, I mean, based on the guarantee column, the, the, the policy does not last. Um, but this is also assuming that um, I'm drawing income out of um, oh, yeah,
0: this one is. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I'm, I'm
1: drawing. I'm drawing a lot. This is assuming I'm drawing a hundred. Yeah, talk, about,
0: talk about this one on TikTok. Yeah. Where you're Correct. drawing out, so, which, of course, illustrate the right. policies to do different. things. And this one you actually exactly. are pulling Right yeah, so yeah.
1: so the so we're assuming I'm averaging a 6% return so uh it, it, again uh, going back to like monitoring the performance is it going to perform exactly like this probably not um not, yeah. are, are are we going to, are we going to want to review the performance when we're using it as income in retirement oh absolutely so maybe when I'm 65 um I get a 6% return that year and I take out 137,000 um use that as as income in retirement but maybe the next year is when the uh, the bear market starts, and that's a year yeah. I get zero. Uh, that's a year I get zero. Um, am I just going to blindly take out one hundred thirty seven thousand again after getting a zero growth year? Probably not. I'm probably going to modify a little bit. I might take out less. I might take out nothing at all because um, I have, uh, you know, rental properties or dividend paying stocks or whatever, or my whole life policy that I have to to make up the difference. Yeah. Um, so you know it, it, we're gonna you know and maybe one year I get ten percent and I can take out more than one hundred thirty seven or maybe no. one year I get um, you know I I don't get zero maybe I get four or four and a half and and instead of one thirty seven I do like eighty thousand or or seventy thousand or whatever um, so we're we're not gonna wanna just and, and that's why it shows it lapsing out on the other two columns because that that income that i'm drawing from the policy is based on uh the assumption that i'm averaging um a 6% return. So if i'm not right. averaging a 6% return, i'm of course, you know, i'm not going to want to take out that much income if i'm not averaging a uh as yeah. as good of a return as i'm expecting. So we're going to want to pace ourselves. Like the IUL is is something that we review from year to year, but yes, we do want to understand that the, the risk to us with the IUL is that the carrier goes to maximum charges and that, that could be, that could be uh pretty problematic if we're, if we're not getting a good enough return to make up the difference on those maximum charges, it really could um, absorb a lot of the cash value. And uh, we, we're going to, going to want to be picky about the IUL carrier that we pick uh, because the maximum charge is, is the risk no. to us using this as an asset.
0: Right, right. Well, hey, tax-free, Mike, I appreciate that so much and appreciate the uh, look even at your personal stuff. One thing that's sure. great about you and what I see on TikTok, especially, you guys got to follow this man, is that he's going to tell you and show you numbers based off things he actually does. Correct. Um, and, own and a lot of people... Have to make- Right, right. It's got his name right here at the top, you know. Yep. And uh, so we appreciate that, man. So I uh, thanks for coming on our podcast sure. and having a health conversation around yeah. this, helping people understand, number one, there is a difference. And what are they when it comes to utilizing this infinite banking type of idea, a permanent life insurance product for the process of utilizing capital, moving it around? So we appreciate you so much yeah. my friend. We're going to have to call it at this point. It's been so good. I know we'll have you back if you'll have us. Sure. Yeah, and, I'd love uh, to come back. Yeah man, um but uh we're we'll wrap it up at this point. We might get a little more detailed next time and uh maybe sure. we'll go into some stress tests. Stress tests tests mm-hmm. testers that you yeah. mentioned. So Appreciate you, man. So uh what, yeah. one more thing? where do we find you online? We know about the TikTok account. What about uh Instagram, Facebook, or maybe even your website?
1: Yeah, so um that's uh having my own website is probably something I should do pretty soon. Um I mostly just use social media. So um on all platforms, um Instagram, reels, Facebook Reels, TikTok, um, YouTube, uh, Pinterest, even if you're on Pinterest. Um tax free mike i'm i'm everywhere uh, on on all the social media platforms i'm tax free mike even twitter i don't do much on twitter though but um look me look me up on all social media and i'm uh tax free mike there's um all bun- a bunch of these uh videos where i talk about iul and whole life and infinite banking uh retirement um so, yeah, I'm uh, I'm available oh, pretty good. much any anywhere you uh, spend time scrolling away into the uh, yeah. wee hours of the night yeah. on, on your uh, social media stuff. There's a pretty good chance I'm Incredible. there.
0: Yeah, man. Well, we look forward to seeing you uh, there and back here in the future. Perfect. man. so appreciate it. Have a great time, everybody, figuring out what's going to be best for you as you learn to crack the code to catch me.